Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. In Southern California, just outside Hollywood, there is a most unusual hotel. A hotel dedicated to the golden age of cinema and the departures of its most influential and notorious players. It is a destination that spotlights the manners in which these men and women of Hollywood perished. A place where every room's design tells a story by mirroring the locales of famous celebrity hotel crime scenes and deaths. From the high-profile murder of Judy Hamilton at the Houston Grand in Baltimore to the suicide of musical director George Bartlett at the Maxwell in Manhattan's Upper East Side. The rooms are decorated with an array of evidence and clues unique to each death, and fitted with a cast of department store mannequins, which stand in for those involved. Welcome to the Swan Hotel. Tonight's episode comes to us courtesy of Room 315, a room where the traditional decor of gore and the macabre has been replaced with a haunting stillness an air of solitude and bereavement suitable for those seeking pensive reflection. It is a design which conveys the final days of beloved Vegas headliner, Gabriella Vines. The telling of this sorrowful account comes from the lips of a young, nimble-witted bellboy named Scoop, a nine-year veteran to the Swan with a weak tendency to gossip. And in just a few moments, his snappy discourse will find the ear of a no-name fiction writer and soon to be occupant of room 315, who's just checked into the hotel in hopes of finding a quiet, work-filled weekend. Bellboy, would you show this gentleman to room 315? Sure thing, Mr. Dill. Hiya, buddy. Watch the spill. The name's Scoop. You want it? I got it. No tail too tall, no story too small. Want the buzz? No reason, just cause? I am the eyes and ears of this here establishment. The hotel's a roaming roadmap to all that's indecent. Want to chew the fat? I'll put on my butcher's hat. Want away with Wildcat or a docile doormat? Maybe a dumber than dirt thingbat? Stick with me. I'll show you where they're at. I'm your expert on dirt, not to mention a colossal flirt. What? Uh, quick, divert! I'm your daily dose of all that will engross. The guy who is verbose and never morose. Want in the loop? Say the name. Say the name. Scoop? Scoop! Say, buddy, what are you in for? Well, actually, I... Step back, buddy. Now entering the dance floor, a mammoth Mr. Claymore, the swan's roving fire hazard. Out for a lap around the grounds, Mr. Claymore? Or two. 
Mr. Claymore owns a chain of Marigold mattress stores. Mr. Claymore personally checks the performance of every single mattress he sells and does so with the help of each new floor girl he hires. I own a Marigold mattress. And it's been guaranteed. Here, buddy, let me get those bags for you. Say, buddy, what sort of racket you in? Well, right now I'm a- Cripes almighty! What do you got in here, buddy? Two bodies and some power tools? It's a typewriter. What do you do, lift them? I write with them. It. it. Well, look at you, regular Murdoch Calhoun. Figures why a guy like you would check into a place like this. Lot of stories. And boy, buddy, did you ever pick a good one. 315. Oh, a classic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what? You look at that, buddy. What a muss. And right on time, too. The voluptuous Ms. Klein and her wild pack of canine. Making a mess on the elevator line? I'll do the rhymes, if you don't mind. Sorry, I thought... Yeah, no. We weren't tag-teaming it. Don't. Oh, Miss Klein? That's more like it. Her father founded the Klein Candy Bar Company. In the past year alone, she's had five makeovers, four surgeries, three husbands, two lovers, and a partridge in her pear tree, if you catch my drift. Her only dependable source for low these many months were her children. Don't let the size fool you, buddy. They're a ferocious bunch and with an appetite for ankles. Hang in there, Gary. You're doing great. They're beginning to wean. Morning, Miss Klein. Aren't you looking divine? Bovine is more like it. Her self-medication must be kicking in, you know? Taking it with something wet and with a twist. What was that you said about my room? What? Your room. Yeah, 315, you know, the story. The story? Yeah, the story. The third story? Third story? What? what? No, no. Hold up, buddy. Do you mean to tell me that you checked into 315 and don't even know the story? Well, you gotta know the story. Gather round and listen here. It is the most sensational story told all year. A sad one, really. A tragedy, mostly. You know, a real tearjerker, a weepy. A sentimental tale that'll never fail. So don your slicker and some galoshes and let the waterworks begin. We're gonna ride this sub train all the way to the end. We're gonna be here a while. Here, hold this. By 1953, Gabriella Vines was one of Las Vegas' most treasured performers. It wasn't her voice or even her looks that filled seats each night, though she was certainly something to marvel at. It was more her essence and the nature of her show, which consisted of 200 synchronized swimmers and divers engaged in a lavish musical with Vines as the star. You see, Vines was the centerpiece of the long-running aquatic spectacle Annie McDougall and the one-piece bathing suit. In her earlier years, Vines played a ravishing bathing beauty and even a heartbroken swan, but it was her portrayal of fictional character Annie McDougall, based heavily on 1904 Olympian and vaudeville performer Annabelle McKay, which captured audiences' hearts. Performed at the Desert Palms Hotel and Casino, the show opened with a celebrated scene from the New York Hippodrome, which boasted an 8,000-gallon water tank. She's magnificent. What grace. Absolutely radiant. My wife had been like that. Vines brilliantly encompassed the plight of young Annie and her transition from small town farmhand to New York headliner. 
The show's woeful, inspiring storyline placed a direct spotlight on the falsities of fame, a toll which ultimately leads McDougal to her untimely and tragic end, a role Vines herself would play years later in eerie fashion. Critics loved the show and praised its unique format. The show is a fresh and triumphant take on the rhetoric of mortality. Howard Nash, Las Vegas Times Tribune. An aquatic Pagliacci. Cynthia Moffat, The Sun. First class and wonderful, but wet in the first three rows. Gene Schwartz, Las Vegas Entertainment Review. Promoters dubbed Vine's names like The Big Ticket Mermaid and Siren of the Strip, but it was Lady of the Water that eventually stuck with the public. One afternoon during a rehearsal of the Wakula Springs, Florida scene, Vines noticed a man with a small entourage standing off to the side of the stage. He was a sharp-looking man, handsome, someone she had seen before. His name was Jimmy Nicoletti, the manager and director of operations at the Starlight Hotel and Casino, and a newly planted Las Vegas figure with Midwest mob ties. Take five, everybody, and I mean five. Splendid work today, Gabriella, as always. Thanks. Now grow some legs. Your public's waiting. In droves, I'm sure. Hoping to catch a glimpse of a diamond in the rough. Give him a peek. Can someone take Miss Vine's tail? Wardrobe? I want more shimmers and make him bigger. Line the back row. That's quite impressive. Yeah? So is your escort. I always did like a man with cachet. I'm afraid it's more functional than decorative. Oh, an honest man. Didn't think there were many of you left. My affairs need constant prioritizing. And well-oiled. What are you, a Boy Scout? Not since I was 11. Wait, I know. A soldier. Long time ago. But I hawked my uniform for a set of cufflinks. Shame. Why's that? I also like a man in uniform. I've still got the Boy Scout outfit. (laughs) You better save that for the wilderness. We've got a little bit more finish around here. I won't argue with you there. No, my business requires a systematic approach. What's that? Don't want anybody wasting your time? (laughs) And vice versa. Consider it, too. How's that working out? Hey, why don't you give us a minute? Just uh, just a minute. Very well. You're a bad influence on the rest of the flock. Sometimes people take precedent over the day-to-day, especially when they're as beautiful as you. (laughs) Well, aren't you the charmer? Your arresting features make it easy. Okay, Slick. You have my attention. I want you to have dinner with me. And then afterward, come back to my house. Your house? I own a rancher sitting off the 15th fairway of the Dunes Course at the Palms Club. And why would I go to your house? For a drink. A drink? It's an opportunity to continue the evening's conversation in a more relaxing setting. Not to mention a prologue to lovemaking. (laughs) Well, you're fast. I'll give you that. I don't like wasting people's time, remember? Yeah, I think vice versa's more like it. Who are you? Somebody important, no doubt? Me? Nah, I'm nobody. Is that so? Yeah, that's so. And you? Me? Oh, I'm somebody. I'll take your suit now, Miss Vines. And here's a lotion for your legs. Thank you. And my entourage is bigger than yours. (laughs) That's, That's funny. Yeah, I know. That's why I said it. So, how about it? Have dinner with me tonight. 
tonight. I'll have a car pick you up after the show. Why me? There's a whole lot of fish in the sea. Yes, but as I mentioned before, none as lovely as you. Plus, I'm new in town. Stick with your first answer, it'll get you further. You say you're new in town? Yeah, a few months now. So what do you think of our little oasis? I like what I see so far. I'll bet you do. So where are you from? Back east. Back east? Yeah. And how was that? Old. Old. Too set in its ways. A guy out here can can get somewhere, you know, actually make a dollar. And do so under a beautiful sky. I hear it's gloomy back east. It lacks your fairness. Still as fresh as when we started this thing. I'm a man on a mission. Right. Well, it's a mountain of a backstory. Anything else I should know about you? My name's Jimmy Nicoletti. The same Nicoletti that's over at the Starlight. You recognize me. From the paper. I'm an educated girl. Then you'll have dinner with me tonight. I gotta tell you, I'm pretty happy here at the desert. I don't care about that. I'm interested in you, not your show. <laughs> Pretend I'm, I'm not Jimmy Nicoletti. Pretend I'm nobody, like before. Remember those days? Or you knew all along. Like I said, I'm an educated girl. I'm sorry, but I gotta cut this time short. I'm a wanted man. I, I hope you'll reconsider my invitation. I'm gonna leave you with a number where you can reach me. Don't bother. I'll have dinner with you. Wonderful. And I'll even consider sharing a drink with you back at your home. But I won't make it easy for you. You're gonna have to woo me. Are we negotiating? Not yet. After a passionate but brief courtship, Miss V and Mr. N, as they were referred to in the gossip column of Ethel K, laid to rest the rumors and tabloid speculation with the highest of high-profile weddings Las Vegas had ever seen. Ask me for the moon, and if you really want the moon, I'll get it for you. The guest list was made up of the city's most influential names. There was personal friend and singer Buddy Lane, and city supervisor Mike Champlain, gaming review member Herb Fishman, and Las Vegas real estate giant Samuel Mills. Not to mention uh, a few uninvited guests. Mr. Nicoletti, can you comment on the whereabouts of your former employee, Ned Kaufman, and your involvement with the Lombardo crime family? Gabriella, does this mean you'll hang up your fins? How about I hang one upside your face? Charming. What's your reaction to Tatalini here? I felt the decision was harsh, but fair. This is the first of many debates in the city on the notion of all you can eat. Do you see this affecting future acts as a starlight? Are we going to see a decrease in billings for overweight performers? The verdict will in no way dictate a loss of integrity for the starlight. Our reputation is and will always be untarnished. Simon Tatalini has the voice of an angel and the gaming sensibility of a barstool. <laughs> if the gold dust can't keep their talent happy, the starlight will welcome him with open arms and a fully stocked buffet. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a honeymoon to attend. Ask me and then 
What was all that about the Lombardo crime family? I did some floor layouts in Chicago for them a few years back. Oh? Yeah, Joey Lombardo made some additions to his nightclub. One of this big fountain in the center with this woman kicking her heel to the ceiling and champagne arcing all out of her mouth. I see. Get over here. I love you. You know that? Jimmy. I love you too. Driver, make haste back to the honeymoon suite. Educated girl. Uh, maybe not. Or at least not to the fullest, for it was only after the couple's honeymoon that Gabriella became aware of her husband's reputation. It seems all the juicy details of his less-than-reputable line of work were kept out of the media, thanks to a Rolodex of newspapers and journalists sitting on his payroll. And though for the moment Gabriella was none the wiser, she would soon find herself center stage in the company of an unforeseen cast of colorful and perilous players. Hey, looks like the line is thinning out, buddy. Shall we? Actually, you know, I think I'm gonna go at it alone, if that's alright. What are you saying, buddy? You've been a big help, but I can... I can find my room from here, thank you. You can't leave now, buddy. The next bit's the best part. You gotta stick around. It's just, I have a lot of work to do, and... Hey, I understand, buddy. You don't want to hear the story, you don't want to hear the story. Fine by me. I'm a big boy, buddy. I can take a hint. No, it isn't that. I, it's just getting late. Far be it from me to keep you, buddy. <clears throat> Here's your key, sir. And should you need any further assistance, just say the name. Telephone the front desk. Thank you. But you know, buddy, uh, you leave now, you're going to miss the part with the machine gun massacre. Machine gun massacre? Ah, glad to have you back, buddy. Don't delay. Right this way. Your golden chariot awaits. Gary, why don't you take a load off? Go have a soda pop. I'll watch the shop. How's this thing work anyway? She coin up or you just give her a whop? Hang on there, buddy, and rest assured. There'll be no bore on this here tour. How about a brochure? They run in two by four. No, there'll be no need for fancy decor as we continue our gloomy lore all the way to the third floor. Now, where was I? Obvious. Gabriella was a happy hottie. Oh, don't mind the smell, buddy. Mr. Ernie Hamstrung, 94 years young and the source of that formaldehyde fragrance, checked out last week suddenly in the night. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, it isn't that. He met up with a cute little Latin number and moved to Miami to sell bikini t-shirts. Oh. We'll miss him terribly, but his memory will live on in the form of those musky breadcrumbs coursing through your nose. Uh-oh, buddy. Now what? Don't look now, buddy, but I think we're stuck. I'm afraid we'll have to postpone your doorside drop-off. Uh, don't say drop-off. Oh, got a little phobia? Huh? Say, buddy? Not to fret. I am sure maintenance is already on its way. Anyhow, as I was saying, Gabriella was a happy hottie, but with each new day, suspicions of her husband's seedy walk of life and illicit dealings made their way to the surface, a sort of bubbling over of worry and uncertainty. An apprehension that would find release in the most unlikely of ways, thanks to a trip to San Francisco and the bumping into of an old friend, Hollywood funny man Tom Newman. I find the summers at Crab Hill a bore. Too many stuffed shirts and not enough open ones. I revel more in the charm of West Sag. Excuse me, beautiful. Is this the line for the free mug? Tom! 
Tom. Hello, Gabrielle. Tom Newman. Actually, it's Pinchcroft now. I got married. <laughs> what are you doing here? I, I read you were on holiday in Switzerland. Well, the snow melted and they ran out of ice cubes. <laughs> I'm here as a favor, putting my best foot forward and hoping somebody trips over it. It's so good to see you. You look wonderful. Well, I just had my shoes shined and I'm feeling a little cocky. You, on the other hand, look sensational and, should I say, fabulously unavailable. <laughs> How terribly grand of you. What a surprise this is. How long's it been? I don't know. I can't count that high while I'm wearing shoes. But I tell you, it feels like ages. In fact, it feels like two ages. Ten more ages and you got a foot. <laughs> you always did know how to make my side hurt. Believe me, sweetheart, it's not your side I'm after. <laughs> Waiter, do you mind checking this lady's chair? You're liable to find an egg. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. You left the refrigerator door open? I saw your new picture last night. Bacon and... Eggs. Eggs. Dandy little title, don't you think? It was born out of a marvelous breakfast. That's not surprising. Now, of course, that wasn't the original title. The studio fluffed it up a bit, gave it some bells and whistles, and billed for both. Now, I don't much care for bacon. I'm a man of advancing years. Gotta pay close attention to the old ticker. Now, the title I came up with was Half a Grapefruit and Pinch of Sugar. Well, they didn't care much for it. Said it was rotten. I assured them it was fresh. Even had some strawberries. I reserved my rancid fruit for bad comedians and collectors of the internal revenue. <laughs> I found it hysterical. I'm glad you enjoyed it. You know, we just finished shooting The Big Noise with Jack Cronin. Oh, that's wonderful. Jack and I did a weekend together several years ago with the coconut. I can't wait to see it. Well, I hope that when you do see it, you'll like it. And maybe next time there's something exciting going on at the studio, you can come down and watch us shoot. Be my personal guest. I'd love that, Tom. Actually, I may be taking you up on your offer sooner than later. Really? How's that? Well, I guess it wouldn't hurt to say anything, but we've been in talks with All Star about a film version of Annie McDougal. Gabriella, that's fantastic. All Star's a fine studio. A few years back, we did that Italian farce, the tightly wound crepe. The one where you get rolled up in that big pastry with Betty Johnston? <laughs> that part I remember fondly. On second thought, I was cleaning blueberry out of my ear for months after. <laughs> All Star's a little rough around the edges, but they make up for it with quality pictures. So you got Jerry in there wheeling and dealing for you? Actually, my husband's managing me now. Jimmy Nicoletti? Last I heard, Jerry moved up to Alaska. He must be part of that northern swell of ice cream vendors I read about. You know, the ones in the Klondike? <laughs> my cheeks hurt. As your physician, I suggest a quarter cider, a quarter gin, a quarter bicarbonate soda, and put the rest on Lucky Dan in the sixth. Let's see. Where do I know that name? Nicoletti. That's right, the, the starlight. Read about his affairs and variety. A man of many talents. He's got a true knack for business. Glad to hear your talents are in good hands. He's negotiating the entire deal. I'm so happy for you, Gabby. Thank you, Tom. Not as happy as I am for that orca-looking fellow over there in the corner. Did you see his eyes light up when they brought out more shrimp? <laughs> oh, how I miss that sense of humor. Since I have you, there's something I want to ask you. Now, pardon me if this seems crass and offhand. And, and stop me if this was some sort of publicity stunt. I don't want to appear too ignorant. But I was reading Praise magazine, and in it was an interview with you and Phoebe Prescott, one of her Candid with the Stars pieces. And you mentioned how Jean, your ex-wife... Twice over, let's not forget. Really? I wear the title like a badge of honor. Live and let pay alimony, that's what I always say. You said Jean introduced you to... I can't even... I can't believe I'm even saying this, let alone think it. But she, you said she introduced you to... LSD? Now that's something your agent made up, right? No, it's true. Did wonders for my anxiety. You 
anxious? Come now. I know it's difficult to believe, but really, I used to be a wreck. I would have never pegged you for the apprehensive type. You carry yourself with such confidence. Well, I mask it by having a rapier's wit. <laughs> but no, seriously, it's tough out there. They don't always laugh. For me, it's the tension, the strain. Two shows a night, five days a week. Something's got to give. And most of the time, it's the performance. It's a lot of pressure delivering on cue, you know. Ah, the yips. Yips? It's a putting thing. See, I was the same way, but it cured that too, like a mental exfoliation. I typically go heavy on the sauce before a show, but, you know, I get the jitters. Tell you what, I've got a doctor here in the city. I'll make a phone call tonight and you go see him in the morning before you head back. See what you think. Really? You do that? Of course. See it as a favor from one performer to another. Well, one friend to another. How's that sound? Sounds lovely. Just bill me at the starlight. Nothing doing. You enjoy the treatment. It'll change your life for the better if you let it. You're sweet, Tom. I'm lucky to have you as a friend. Gabriella quickly became enamored with the uh, therapeutic effect of the drug, so much that she continued a weekly regimen of moderate doses. She found herself more uh, <clears throat> carefree, and the stress of performing drained uh, right away. In spite of her newfound uh, merriment, Papa Nicoletti saw things differently. I eat cutlet parmesan so that I can gaze upon Angelina. Gabriella, let's go. We're going to be late. Angelina. I'll be there in a minute. Have you seen my blue tie? Which tie? The blue. The royal blue? The dark blue? The light blue? The steel blue? The indigo? The blue on blue? Blue. Angelina. Okay, I'm ready. Kiss me, but don't muss me. What were you doing? Nothing, just putting away my medicine. Medicine? I don't see why you mess around with that garbage. It relaxes me. I guess. I'm stressed out. When I take it, I'm not. It, it calms me. You mean it numbs you? What are you trying to get out of me? Nothing. I, I, just, I just don't understand this urgency to escape. It's just that, you know, it loosens me up. I'm more tranquil. Anyway, what does it matter? Why can't I... Look, I'm just decompressing. You always get so wound up. I'm just a little strained, I guess. My head spins out of control, and I worry nonstop. I don't get that. What do you have to worry about? You got a closet full of furs and a hundred pairs of shoes to match. You can have anything you want. What do you do? You sedate yourself to everything around you. Don't be so dramatic. I'm on edge. It eases the tension. I've got a... I'm just trying to get by. What, is, what does that mean? Nothing, Jimmy. What's so bad about your life? What could you possibly be avoiding? What? This? The papers? The rumors? The slander? Well, it's kind of hard to overlook daily. Gabriella, it's lies. Those people, they want nothing more than to sully my good name. Smirch the, the reputation of an outsider. That's what they do. That's their definition of an honest buck. And who were those men the other day from the commissioner's office? Talking about skimming and licenses. Oh, for Christ's sake, Gabriella. Standing there with their puff-up chests and cold expressions. Judging me on my own front you're, step. You're comical, you know that? Why, Jimmy? Why were they here? What did they want? What was all that Gab stuff they were Gabriella, saying? Gabriella, now listen to me. Put all of this out of your head. What, whatever you think you know, just forget about it. I know how your mind works. Just, just drop it. Don't give it another thought. Look. I'm a staple in this town. They're gonna wanna rough up my feathers every now and then. It comes with the territory. You're in the spotlight, you should know. They don't say this kind of stuff about me. Well, sweetie, that's because you're perfect. And that's why I married you. 
You're the best thing in my life. And I love you. Look, I'm sorry. Come here. You know I love you. I love you too. And the girls? Lies. Here's your time. As Jimmy and Gabriella's love boat sailed into a field of icebergs under a starless sky, the stories and gossip surrounding them grew worse. A year later, while on another trip to San Francisco, Gabriella ran back into Tom Newman at a swanky dinner party to benefit the Langdon Women's League. After their glitzy obligation, hobnobbing with society's most long-winded guest bears, Tom invited Gabriella to a cafe and comedy joint called The Blue Eye. Thank you for rescuing me back there. Oh, is that what that was? I just thought you wanted a piece of candy. <laughs> no. Well, good, because I'm all out. Haven't you got any? No, I was saying you're a lifesaver. No, I don't care for those. Have you got anything with chocolate? Oh, I see. Gabriella, you're the best straight man I've ever met. How about coming on the road with me? I don't think you could handle my idiosyncrasies. Oh, I suppose you're right. Your candor is refreshing. I'd like to pay you anyway. Expect a check on the next full moon, he says with a suggestive roll of his eyes. <laughs> Damn, you're incorrigible. Says you. Oh, says me. How's that for incorrigible? Teach you to try and straighten out a handlebar mustache. <laughs> What's the story with this place? It's got a real folky feel. I love it. Gabriella, welcome to the Blue Eye, San Francisco's premier hootenanny, a smorgasbord of the city's most capricious and hygiene-deficient characters, a watering hole of ragtag talents and mistaken riffraff, from writers and musicians to artists and the all-around strange. Don't look now, but there's one walking this way. Tommy! Doc! Hello, those duds, Daddy-o. Well, give us a fall out of a funeral? No, but there certainly were a lot of corpses. <laughs> and who's this fine, tall glass of iced tea? Doc, this evening I present to you that inevitable entertainer, that world-renowned star, that breathtaking beauty, the original lady of the water, Gabriella Vines. Well, it's an honor, Miss Vines. A rare, out-of-sight oddity to these parts, I must say. Pleasure to meet you. And your name is? Name's just a name, Chickadee, and nothing else, but everybody around here calls me Doc. Gabriella, meet Doc Kessler, the coolest cat this side of the alley. He's the proprietor of the Blue Eye. I like to think that we all own a little piece of it. It's wonderful. I really dig it. Oh, she digs, man. What a gas. No, don't nobody go nowhere. I got a vision. Let's drive over some nectar. I'll play Deuce Man, because tonight, we're going to wail. See what I mean? Tom, he's marvelous. A howling delight. I love it here. It's insatiable. I feel so, so uninhibited. A real check-your-restraints-at-the-door kind of place. Unless you're here for the bookman party, in which case the safe word is Huckleberry. <laughs> Where did you two meet? A few years ago, right at that corner table. That was back when this place was owned by a fella named Brussels. Art Brussels. It was a Coco. Either way, we spoke of man's plight over a cup of joe. Or was it Nancy? Come to think of it, it was Guinevere, and it was the cat house across the street. Doc's a big bohemian from way back, a pioneer to the scene. The scene? The spiritual quest. The search for enlightenment. So I'll come to a head, baby, and we're it. It? The Western incarnation of Zen. 
the portal between awe and nirvana through the mantra, the link. With every breath, we set a course and leave the earth and rendezvous with the sky. You dig? It's it's so refreshing to hear it put so... You seem so dialed into everything that's going on. It's It's a novel idea. What I mean is, it's different, but invigorating. Conformity is a curse bestowed upon man. Slap a ribbon on it and introduce it to the world and call it special. Don't drag it. Cake it, baby. God, I, I can't get over what a... You're such a free spirit. The banks tried to charge his spirit, but he hasn't a penny to his name. They settled for his loafers instead. <laughs> Tom, you're the mostest. A real big tickle. Well, as I always say, a tickle's better than an itch. But in the end, they're both treated identically. How? Warm oatmeal. <laughs> now look who's the big tickle. Pull over to the side of the road. It isn't safe to be driving in your condition. I believe what I have is more of an itch. The kind you can't scratch. It sounds heavy. It is. And I'm afraid it can't be cured with oatmeal. Don't be dreary, Dolly. Lay it on us. Let's orbit at the moon. No, I, I, I shouldn't. Forget I said anything. I, I, don't, I don't mean to burden you with my problems. Come on, baby. Let's fly a rocket from Squaresville and find yourself in the stars. Go ahead, Gabby. The man's a magician. Hey, Doc, show her the one where you pull that restraining order out of your trousers. <laughs> well, I, I, I can't sleep. You know, I'm jumpy all the time. Uh, I'm just not myself. Keep swinging, baby. Don't stop now. I'm just uneasy. I, I, I keep having this dream where I'm watching a crowded room of people and they can't see me. There's mirrors all around, but I cast no reflection. You're starting to see the world through x-ray eyes. You look almost recognizable now. What do you seek? I want to find myself. You know, rest easy again. I don't want to wear this mask anymore. I want to think clearly. I don't want to worry about how I'm supposed to act. And then there's... There's another dream I've been having where I'm in a dark room with distant voices that belong to nobody in particular. And and the more I listen and the more I try to try to make them out, they sound almost sad. Like they're... Well, like they're weeping. You know, buddy, it was this conversation between Kessler and Vines that marked the beginning of the end. Doc and his spiritual quest of the beatnik counterculture were the subsequent triggers for Gabriella's introduction to heroin. Gabriella welcomed the escape. Her career was slowing down with the ending of her show and the failures of her last two pictures, all while dodging reporters' questions regarding her husband's involvement in certain jewelry heists or missing persons cases mentioned in that week's paper. An obvious strain was put on their marriage. You still seeing that clown? What? Your new beau. What are you talking about? Don't treat me like a jerk, Gabriella. You're nuts. You don't think I know what's going on here? You're real daffy, you know that? Don't patronize me. <laughs> God, how you've come unhinged. I know where you go, believe me. I know all about your trips. I know more about you than you think I know. You know because you spy on me. Ah, uh, you're crazy. I don't spy on you. No, but your men do. You have them follow me around. I see them in the mirror and outside Coppin's boutique, driving by the house when you're out of town. You have them check up on me. Admit it. I need to know I can trust you. I know things. What? What do you know? I know plenty. You're not the only one in this house that reads Ethel K. Idle words and malarkey. Do you love him? Jesus, Jimmy. 
think you don't even know what you're saying. Tom's a friend. Do you stay in his house? Yes. What's, what's so... Why are you smiling? In a separate bedroom. Jimmy, he's a friend. Tell me. What does he offer you that I can't? Don't be silly. Huh? Tell me. You favor him over me and everything that we are. You're all mixed up. You're talking out of your head here. There's nothing going on. That's a brazen lie and you know it. Keep your voice down. Don't you tell me to keep my voice down. Don't you tell me that. Everyone is staring. Let him look. You think I care? No. Wait, let's, let's just give him a big show, huh? Go ahead, you bunch of vultures. Take it all in. A $5 steak and a front row seat for the dignified Gabriella Vines. What about you, Jimmy? You don't think I know you play around? You can't leave your motor running for five minutes before chasing after another set of legs. My conscience is clean. Is it? <laughs> what about Miss Marlena Kyle? Marlena Kyle? That's... You mean the Cuban routine? She's a dancer. You don't have to deny it. I know you've been seeing her. I have my sources too, you know. So, that's how it's gonna be. I know what you're like when I'm not around. I know you. Maggie tells me what she finds when she does the sheets. Funny what a little generosity will get you. I should have known. The moment I laid eyes on you, I should have known you were more trouble than you were worth. You and your freaky deaky friends. You're just a harlot in a fish suit. A harlot and a junkie. You're a mobster, Jimmy. You don't think everyone knows you're a mobster? Don't you see the look on their faces when you walk by? Yeah, it's respect. It's fear. Excuse me, Mr. Nicoletti. I'll have to ask your table to please. Why don't you get the hell out of here? Thank you, sir. Let me ask you. Do you fear me? I know you'd never do anything to me. Then you don't really know me, do you? And with those chilling words, Gabriella's fate was sealed. Say, buddy, where do you suppose maintenance could be? Maybe we could, uh, yeah, here, get the bottom. Keep pushing. Oh, almost. There we go. There we go. All right, here. Let me give you a boost. Hang on. Wait. No, that's my face. No, not, no. other side. Wait. Hang on. That's not. Oh. There. There we go. Now, you give me a hand. There. How's that for thinking on your feet, buddy? You're a credit to your race, Scoop. Ah, thanks, buddy. Now right this way to your room. So, what happened with Jimmy and Gabriella? Did he let her have it right there in the restaurant, huh? Whoa, hang on there, buddy. You almost forgot your typewriter. Oh, thanks. Hang on to that now, buddy. You got a lot of work to do. Now, by this point, Gabriella was terrified of her husband. She had seen in his eyes a look she had never seen before. It was a look cold and full of rage. She soon found herself spending more and more time in San Francisco at Newman's home. Then, one afternoon while she and Tom readied themselves for a night on the town... When I trip the light fantastic, I don't want to be gymnastic. That's not what a dancing floor is for. I poured you a drink. Excellent. I'll be right out. Take your time. They won't bring out the good hooch until the exterminator has a chance to clear the room of nudniks. That's how I like my intoxicants, shaken and with a thin layer of poisonous gas. I looked over your speech for tomorrow night. It's uproarious. Well, how am I? 
Look at those heels. I'm going to have to go out and get me a tall stepladder if you're looking for someone to punch that dance card of yours. Here you go. Thank you. Mm, a little light on the vermouth. And heavy on the delightfulness. You want to run through your speech? Why not? Let's see. Gracious applause. <clears throat> As I look out over your faces, I can't help but imagine that some of you are wearing lacy white panties. Surely some of you are women. <laughs> that ought to straighten out a few collars. And dampen a few tablecloths. <laughs> Jimmy? Hello, dear. Gabriella, run to the bedroom. Gabriella, don't you move a muscle. I know why you're here. Listen, before you... Before I what? Uh, oh, what? This? Oh, God! Oh, no! What do you say, funny man? Let's see you make him laugh now. Oh, God! Go ahead. Say something funny. Well, what, what are you waiting for? Baby, where are you going? Tom's got the stage. You're gonna miss it. Hey, Newman, you look like a dummy with your jaw flopping around like that. Maybe you could do a ventriloquist act. Say, Tommy, what do you get when you mess around with another man's wife? Oh, uh, gee, I don't know. What? Two tickets to a first-rate clobbering courtesy of an autographed Chet Boggs baseball bat. You smell that ash? Whew. They say at the beginning of each year, Boggs goes out to Timberland in upstate New York and selects the very trees that will make his bats for that season. Hey, aren't you from New York? Now that's funny. Jimmy, you no, made stop. a fool of me for the no. last time. Jimmy, no, stop. I'm not going back. Put me down. Quiet down and quit your squirming. Tom here is about to hit us up with one of his finest one-liners, aren't you, Tom? You're going to have to speak up, son. They can't hear you in the back. No, please stop. He needs help. Can you see? Tom, Tom, hang in there. Yes, Tom, you hang in there. Crowd's a little rough tonight, wouldn't you say? We'll be back for the late show. Call him a doctor, please. Please, you can't just leave him like that. Jenny, you must... Gabriella was taken back to Las Vegas while Tom remained on the floor, bloodied and bashed. The assault on Newman was so severe that his injuries called for a complete facial reconstruction, a process which lasted several years and essentially ended Newman's stage and film career, sending him into a lifestyle of isolation. A year later, while Jimmy's outside the country, Gabriella attempted to make contact with Newman at his home. Tom? Tom, can you hear me? Rap if you can hear me, Tom. You don't have to open the door. Just please listen to me. I'm sorry. I've wanted so long to say those words. I didn't mean to drag you into all this. I'm... 
I'm sure you hold me somewhat responsible for your... I take it that's why you never tried to get in touch with me. Now you rap if you can hear me. I wish I could do it all over again. I wish so many things. I don't blame you. I'm... I'm a mess. You know, I've always been a tough cookie. But these days I'm more like dough. We used to be so close, Tom. I miss our time together. I miss our walks. You remember that time at the pier? <laughs> that fisherman got so mad at you. <laughs> you let me know if you can hear me, Tom. I know we never really talked about our feelings for one another, but I always cared for you. You were the light in my cellar. And now it's nothing but dark. Rap for me, Tom. Rap on the door. Please, Tom. Tom. Rap. Gabriella returned to Las Vegas, where she slipped into a state of depression, which fueled a two-year battle with heroin. Her marriage to Jimmy had become purely cosmetic, as a different woman took her place in bed each night. She feared for her life, and retreated to a suite on the top floor of the starlight. Like Newman, Gabriella Vine spent her final years living a mostly reclusive existence. She blacked out the windows and bound herself to the dark. Her drug habit was fed thanks to a busboy from the downstairs restaurant that each night left a small bag at her door. <laughs> Mrs. N, or Mrs. Vines, I just wanted to let you know that the stuff that's in here is new. It's really far out. But you gotta be careful. It, it doesn't take as much, so, you know... Go easy on it at first. Okay. That's it. Okay. Uh, bye. Bye now. When police found Gabriella's body, it had been three days since her overdose. The sheets had been stripped off the bed, and a medley of narcotics littered the room. On the secretary sat a piece of paper with a poignant phrase penned by Vines during her final days. After the curtain drops, it stars the loneliest person in the theater. Well, buddy, there you have it. The heart-rending tale behind room 315. Well, it certainly was moving. I told you, buddy. The story of Gabriella never fails. What about that part with the machine gun massacre? Oh, that? I made that up. But were you disappointed? Not in the least. I had a feeling. Well, here you are, buddy. Room 315. And remember, buddy, if you need anything at all, just say the name. Scoop. Scoop. Welcome, buddy. 
to room 315. Those of you out there seeking an escape from the hustle and bustle and bright lights of the city need not look further than room 315. A four-walled vacuum of noiseless sustain, thanks to a series of double-thick walls, this room is a must for anyone treating a broken heart or just looking for a good night's rest. Whether you're a strung-out insomniac or a weekend novelist, room 315 will offer more than just peace and quiet. Containing no natural light, one could easily lose their head or their will to live. It is a room where hope and cheer rest easy and considerable abandon. A showgirl's tomb atop the Grand Starlight Hotel and Casino is but one of the many captivating, and in this case, somber stories, offered by an unassuming hotel in the Hollywood Hills called The Swan. So join us next time as we bring you another sobering tale from the Swan Hotel. Tales from the Swan Hotel is written and directed by Thaddeus Ellenberg and produced by Will Scoville. Tonight's episode starred Jane Harrison as Gabriella Vines, Jason Dove as Jimmy Nicoletti, Scott Simpson as Tom Newman, Bucky Sinister as Dot Kessler, Joe Tobin as Scoop, and Alex Cole as The Writer. Featuring additional voice talents of Nick Palm, Jesse Hett, Aviva Siegel, Josh Marcus, Allison Mick, Nicole Kalasich, Ivan Hernandez, and Ron Chapman as the voice of the Swan Hotel. Original theme by Nick Stargu, with artwork by Justin Devine. Please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher.